have sat for 35 years yelling at my television <laughs> opinions of, ath- of athletes for 35 years. Not one of those moments or tweets or yelling at the TV actually had anything to do on the impact of Patrick Ewing, John Starks, Scotty Pippen, Dan Marino, Tom Brady, Boomer aside. Not one human was affected. On this edition of Naked, Gary V's in the house. Man, I tell you what, you're ready. Get pen and paper. Get a pen and paper. We'll be right back. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, get naked with In a world we're vulnerable, considered weak. Come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific. Life altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment. Connect it with us. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Hey, everybody. Uh, when I say get your pen and your pad, that means we're about to we're about to give out some free game. And if you want some free game, you're more than welcome. You know, you're welcome to take some free game. Gary V joining us on the podcast today, um, known on social media. I remember I would see him everywhere organically on my feed and I, on my timeline. And I'm like, tell me more about this person. And it just so happens I ended up working with one of his subsidiaries during a podcast um, called The Brown Print. But Gary is a serial entrepreneur, chairman of Varner X, and the CEO of Varner Media. Uh, people have described him as one of the most forward thinkers in business. He's always looking at what's next, uh, whether it's about NFT investing, he's been talking about that forever, or digital communications. He just understands what will be next, what's important. How does he understand that? I don't know. He started off with a wine company, right? So Gary was a co-founder 
of Honor Sports, Resi. I've used Resi before, so have you. And he was able to make both of those companies extremely successful. And you wonder what it takes to be successful, or you always wonder when you see someone like him, what's his energy really like? How can he be this energetic all the time and forward thinking and this, that, and the third? All my questions. But he has a book coming out. It's called 12 and a Half, Leveraging the Emotional Ingredients Necessary for Business Success. Um, this is his sixth book, Sixth TH, get it out, Carrie. And um, it's special. I was reading bits and pieces online, and I'll tell you what really struck me. He starts off the introduction, and again, the book is available in November, not now, but you can pre-sell, uh, pre-buy rather. He started off by talking or sharing a story in which one of his investors wanted him to fire an employee because the employee had made a horrible mistake. A young employee made a horrible mistake. And Gary told this investor, who at the time was arguably providing at least 30% of the money to his company. No, he says, no, I can't do that. The CEO of the company goes, I can't do that. I need to be able to run my company the right way. And I wouldn't do that. In short, he was saying his employee made a mistake. And Gary arguably had every right to fire the employee textbook wise because the employee made a mistake, but he didn't want to. In the book, he writes... I had to be able to run my own business and make my own decisions about my employees. The executive had every ability to fire us if that was what she felt was necessary. But it had to be my decision what the ramifications of that quote unquote tweet would be. The person tweeted something bad. Gary says he was mentally prepared for the company to fire them, but they didn't, luckily. And he was able to push forward. But he said the reason why he didn't want to fire the employee It's because he really, truly wanted to know how to be kind and have empathy. Emotional intelligence is when to know how to express certain traits for the people who work for you and the people you lead. And that was mind blowing to me. You know why that was mind blowing to me? Because I often struggle with being too empathetic and too kind and then I get resentful. I'm like, dang, they're just walking all over me. I'm too good to these people. I mean, anybody who knows me knows me well. I'm the most generous. But then there's another part of me that puts up a wall because I'm tired of people taking advantage of me and my kindness. So Gary talks about this kind candor, meaning you can be very kind, but you have to be extremely candid with the person who's made the mistake. Like, I'm going to be nice to you, but I'm going to tell you exactly what you did And how that doesn't work and how we need to be better. Like, wow. I wouldn't even have thought of that, right? He goes, it doesn't mean you can't hold that person accountable if you're kind. People confuse the definition of kindness with the definition of pushover. A person who is easy to overcome or influence and they are not the same at all. Kindness versus being a pushover, two different things. I'm passionate about practicing kindness to create a safe environment when delivering bad news or having difficult conversations. Listen to that. He says if he didn't start developing kind candor as an emotional ingredient, resentment would have flourished in his old age. So I say to you, as he talks about his life and what he's been up to and how he's been able to be so successful, he leads with a kind candor. And 
Here's the big part. As a woman, the first thing I think, well, how will they receive it? Gary could care less because he's being kind and he knows that he's being kind and he's being candid in the conversation and the uncomfortable conversations that he needs to have with employees or friends or loved ones. If they want to receive it, they can. If they don't, that's on them. And so moving forward, I promise you, I love the idea of Carrie continuing to be kind, very candid, which I am, but remove the edge that I have because I'll pop off. Ooh, I'll pop off. But I want it to be sincere. And the only way that it's sincere is that if you give the candid part of the conversation. Unfortunately, I had to get rid of somebody on my podcast team and I was really sad about it. And looking back on it, I wish I would have given this person a heads up. I didn't know how it was going to go down and it happened so quickly and I didn't give the person a heads up. But then I went back to talk to the person. Of course, they don't want to talk to me. But the reality is... I was kind and I was candid and I was extremely empathetic the first few months. But the same things continue to happen and happen and happen. And I'm holding on to it because I'm like, oh, I could have handled that better. It's a learning lesson for me, meaning I could have been more candid in the stuff. I could have been more candid in the conversation that I was going to have. And I didn't. I don't regret making the decision I did. But I do know that leading with kind candor is all one can do when they want to be successful. And if the person receives it wrong, that's on them. Because if my heart is in the right place and I am being extremely kind and empathetic, not too empathetic, not a pushover, I'm doing my job as a leader, as a boss. And I want to be successful leading with emotional intelligence and hopefully some really sage advice that can help others. Get your pen! Gary V, y'all, giving us free game. I reposted you the other day. I don't, I don't know if you saw or what, what your social media situation is, but you're reposted by everyone. Um, and you had a great concept. You said, why not come up with a podcast where you just ask one question? You'll get, it's the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. People will... Come on, your podcast. I just got one question. Give me four minutes of your time. Yeah, okay. You got it. Don't ask for an hour and a half, whatever. I'm with you. That makes perfect sense, right? Okay. So with that being said, I feel as if every single day I listen to you or if if I lock in on something you're saying, you have a great idea, a different take, a different concept. How is one born or evolved into what you have become? Someone who is just looking at life so differently and so uh, more so on the extreme of how to win as opposed to being a pessimist. That's a really, really fun way to start this. So thank you for coming up with such a really clever and thoughtful question. And, And why do I say that? You're catching me in a moment where I've been thinking a lot about this. Mm. I am so looking at it differently, I've come to realize. You know, you're kind of like in your own cocoon, your own shit, you're just living life. And, you know, now I'm in that midway point, right? 45, it's a nice kind of like number. I'm like, man, and I just wrote this book that's gonna come out in November where I really go into my emotional framework. And I talk in business terms, but it's really life. It really is. I mean, for example, just to give everybody, you know, a sentence that if they know me might catch them off guard. Three people, my most inner 10 people, friends, family, in the last three of the 10, 
in the last two weeks referenced, I wish the world realized how chill you were. Mm. I'm such an intense communicator, but I'm incredibly relaxed and lack of anxiety, low-key, simple, chill, life liver. And so that's like a for instance that may confuse people because of the way I roll and my energy and hyper and all that. Um, the answer to your question is actually very easy. It's by living a very weird and different upbringing. So for example, I am an immigrant that lived in a household that was Soviet because my mom was born and raised and groomed in the Soviet Union, which meant no bullshit, mm-hmm. but was so outrageously loving and caring that I never like, I didn't have that upbringing where like I had to know if somebody loved me and that's such a challenge. I knew I was loved heavy. I built huge self-esteem, but not with delusion. It wasn't eighth place trophies. It was pure love, but no bullshit. I also grew up in extremism. My dad slept in the same house as me every night of my life and I never saw him for the first 14 years because he worked every minute. Immigrant life, right? He wanted to make it in America. He worked two jobs. Then he was a stock boy in a liquor store. Then he was a manager. And then he owned that store and he just worked every goddamn minute. So, you know, my work ethic that I think a lot of people talk to, it's conditioned, right? I saw it. I saw a dad who worked 15, 12, 15 a day, hours. So it just seemed normal to me. That is unique and different. Not everybody has that. Next, my mom was embarrassed of her accent, was very insular. We were very insular. And what does that mean? That means I was a poor student. Mm. My, my, like my whole world was predicated on different shit. And then on top of everything else, I'm an 80s kid from Jersey, Jersey which means I went outside and I spent 10 hours a day outside, four hours a day outside, six hours a day. And what does that mean? That means you're being raised by your mother, but you're also being raised by the quote unquote streets, whether that's cow pastures or the hood, the streets, the way I say it is not the slang that we're accustomed to. It's just the outside. It's not this hovering mother on top of everything, father on top of everything shit. So, and I'm the oldest and I had a baby sister, go take care of her outside. And I'm from the eighties. So you got into street fights. You did that whole thing and it's Jersey. So you had so many things going on in the 80s and 90s. And so I'm very unique. And then finally, uh, with all those outside variables, my inside, who I am as a human, born, DNA, was sell lemonade, shovel snow, sell baseball cards, pure hustler, garage sales, like dirt, like from the dirt. And hustler now has like, a, you know, a negative or positive connotation. What it was was like scrappy entrepreneurial kid. Parents were gonna buy him things. So he wanted, if he wanted something, not that he really wanted it. I didn't want that many things, but I wanted Nintendo. I wanted Genesis, you know, and and that meant I was going to get it. And so what that led to was a crazy sixth sense of consumers, human beings. Ring the doorbell, know how to sell to this lady. Buy a baseball card, know how to sell to my friend. Became so of the game that my natural empathy and with just ungodly amounts of training from six to 22 of selling, 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 selling created a consumer instincts 
juggernaut as a kid who's now spent 23 more years on top of that refining it. And so I, and then I, a communicator that it comes natural to analogies, the way I talk, very basic. It worked for me in wine. It works for me explaining NFTs, a, you know, a hair of charisma. And here we are. A hair. <laughs> I, I, I did. The only thing I disagree with is that last part. That's subject. That's subjective. I disagree a lot more yeah. than a hair. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, it, it but. At the end of the day, I still don't, even being raised outside, I understand being outside, like not outside the streets, which is a beautiful way of putting that, right? But outside, like my mom was like, get outside, stay outside for eight hours so I come home or go play with your friends. I don't feel like that. They're your babysitters, not me. Everything you look at, if I said, is this color blue? You would have a different perspective on that. If I said, if... Um, I completely, I completely disrespected school. What? Why? I inherently, by third grade, thought it didn't fit me. And I didn't believe they were right. How do you have that in third grade at nine years old, outside of being chosen? Completely DNA, luck of the draw, to your point. I don't think it's, you know, honestly, I don't want to use chosen I do understand what it did for me. Yes. Uh, actually, I'll give you a good one. If parents are listening right now, don't be so quick to fix your kids' corks because the cork might be the thing that unlocks their happiness. You know, I've come to learn that my reading comprehension stinks because after about seven years of asking everybody who sent me a long email for a five-minute phone call, I said to myself, why do I do that? Oh, wait a minute. Right. Because I could read it three times and still have no idea what the fuck's going on. But on a phone call in 20 seconds, I double know what's going on. I love that. Um, so I think my learning style was different. You know, I didn't get diagnosed with dyslexia or any other learning disabilities, but I know I have them. That became my ultra superpower. We've talked in society a lot. I'm not educated on this matter about how entrepreneurs accelerate with dyslexia because they see shit different back to what you just said. So I have a lot of intuition that there's something going on there. I'm incredibly caring. I really like people, mm. like crazy caring. Like, 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 like I, I'm very weird with this issue. I am probably the most enthusiastic, give love to random human I met one second ago, cheer for everybody, even if I compete with them, all ships can rise. I'm completely disgusted would be the word I use in today's society where people feel like, they have to convince people that they're right. It's a complete lack of empathy for other people's conditioning. So I'm incredibly pro-human, which, you know, I, you know, when I see, you know, people are like, how can you do that, Gary? Look at all the bad humans do. I'm like, I feel bad for them. Their, their upbringing brought them to that place. When haters shit on me, I feel compassion for them. Why would you spend a minute of your life trying to tear somebody else down? Wow, that's a, devastating framework. So a lot of compassion and empathy. And then, and then I think I'm very truth oriented. I was raised by the market. What I mean by that is instead of school telling me this is true, where I was getting validation was selling lemonade or sports cards or trying to sell stuff at the flea market. I only knew the market, the market, the customer. 
the, what people really did. It, it plays out a lot in society now. Everyone cancels brands on social media and then you look two months later and the brand sales are up. Pe- people like headlines, I like truth. And so that play, I think school is much like social media headlines. I don't think it's real. And I intuitively, to your point, how? DNA, luck of the draw. Like, which is why I'm grateful, right? It's why I'm humble. I know that what I just said is real. I'm with you. The fuck did I do to get there at nine years old? That is a luck of the DNA circumstance situation. And so because of that, the only two gears I have that drive my energy are gratitude and humility. It may not seem that I'm humble because I have so much conviction in what I say, which comes with confidence, which can be blended into ego or, right? But, but I believe what, cause I know myself and I think the people that know me best, what they're seeing in Gary V land is conviction, not ego. Ego is insecurity with makeup on. That's people fronting. Yeah. yeah. I'm out here fucking believing my shit, Carrie. I yeah. believe my shit. Yeah. I believe you believe it. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe your shit. I believe your shit, Gary. <laughs> I, I really believe do. your shit. No, what I, what I also want to know is because when you have these moments, I, I use the word chosen and I, I use that a lot. And a lot of people in my industry, especially with the basis of sports, like that word. Why don't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't like making people feel inferior at all costs. So I'm very interesting. If you look at my content, I try to talk about shit that can actually be done, right? So when a chosen one is talked about in sports, I think LeBron James puts remarkable amounts of effort into who he is, right? But I also believe that he started with a point of physicality and athleticism that really mattered. When you talk about stuff that people don't or can't do anything about, it feels not productive. I'm so proud that my content focuses on things that I think people can do something about. And so when there's things that I believe that they can't do something about, like I have intuitive consumer behavior, like I really just know what people think. It's weird. I don't know what else. It's the biggest reason I believe in psychics and other things that might be on the edges is because I don't, I'm not a psychic or anything like that, but boy, it's weird how well I know what people are going to do before they know they're going to do it. TikTok, NFTs, social media, buying things on the internet, being in love with a new style of music, accepting people they don't accept. I can predict, I can feel these things in me. So the reason I don't like it is it feels not productive to the person that's listening right now. Like for example, if someone's listening right now and isn't intuitive, I want to still talk to them about things that I believe that they could do because to me, it's about if you're happy like I am, you have a responsibility. And this is, I don't put this on anybody else. This is me talking to myself. Hey, Gary, you're good. You had a great mother. You had great adversity as a child, which makes you far from soft. You, you are guilted and grateful into trying to bring as much value to society before you leave because you're good. And most people aren't emotionally good. Most people aren't emotionally 100. And I'm emotionally 100. So I want to talk and do things. And if I'm chosen one, that's not practical because then someone's like, well, I'm not chosen one. So everything Gary says, I can't do anything about. And I think people fall into dwelling 
and lack of action and lack of accountability, which then leads them to giving up. And giving up means starting to blame everything else. Where I'm like, yo, you can do shit. And you're also saying everyone has intuition. So if you're saying I like the word intuitive, right? If someone hears that, they, okay. And you're saying follow your intuition. Does that work? Well, it does. The problem is a lot of people had such tough upbringings that they don't trust people, which Mm -hmm. means they don't trust themselves, which means they don't have intuition. Fear eliminates everything. Cece, if you want to talk about something I'm scared of, it's fear. Mm -hmm. When I see somebody pushing fear from a politician to a parent to a business leader to a head coach to a manager to an influencer to an overprotecting mom you know, to the news, to social media posts, everything that I see that's trying to scare people, I know is poison to humans. Mm. People are scared about shit that the math doesn't make sense. People are scared of flying, yet it's far more dangerous to drive. Mm-hmm. People are scared of sharks. Meanwhile, it's like you're, 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 more, you're in more trouble when you're taking a bath than, of a shark, than like getting bit by a shark, right? So- I hate fear because it cripples people. Parents make kids do all sorts of shit out of fear when that means they're instilling fear into that kid and that kid's gonna be insecure in life. I hate fear and, um, and I'm, in, I'm empathetic to people who don't trust their instincts because their instincts are based on fear because that's how they were raised. That is, you have given me a word. Can the can the church say amen and pass this pass the plate, the plate, the offering plate, Gary? Because the reason why I'm saying that is when I decided to leave ESPN, I told no one because I didn't want them to put their fears on me. I love you for that. I didn't want them to tell me. I love you. That's so smart. How you're not going to succeed? Can I? Can I? Let me tell you what's weird about me. I'm a little bit the reverse. I love the booing. I love that talk. Yeah, I'm a little bit weird. If you're, you know, you're Jordan. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm such a big Knicks fan that I hate being compared <laughs> to Michael Jordan. But, 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 but it, I, I do have to tell you when you know, I am absolutely built on getting people to tell me I'm going to lose or I'm wrong. I love it. There's nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, that's more exciting to me than to prove someone wrong. It's, it's delicious. I mean, if I was an athlete, I would, I mean, when I, it's again, it keeps happening to the Knicks because it's the garden. Like when Trey Young's doing what he's doing, I'm like, I know what that guy's doing. I would be doing that. I feed off that. It makes me better. It makes me stronger. And so it's funny. I very much love you for doing that because I think that's a great move that humans should do more. On the flip side, if you're lucky to have my gear you almost relish in it. I love when, pe- when, when I started talking NFTs earlier this year, the, the community there, outside people are like, oh, Gary, what the fuck? Like, is this going to be like a pump and dump, fl- come in and make some quick cat? Like, I love that because I know I'm going to dominate it. I, I love that feeling. I love when people made fun of me when I started an ad agency coming from wine that I would never win and I stuck it to them. That's, I'm driven by that competition for sure. Well, I, I like it. But I don't like it to my face. In my mind, I know mm. it's being said, and I know you're saying it. And in my mind, I'm quietly like, "Well, you watch mm-hmm. and see, motherfucker." Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but you, you don't take it 
within anger that I take it. You take it with the challenge. Got it. See you next time. I take it with personally angry. And then I, and then I'm like, you know, revenge, you know, as opposed to turning into something more healthy. I am too empathetic that people always give advice based on their perspective. So parents are always going to tell kids to take the safe road because they're scared for their kids to fail. Mainly because half of those parents worry about what other people say. Parents give kids advice for their own kids based on making sure their neighbor or their sister or their own mother doesn't say your kid sucks. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about what anybody else says to me. Like, I don't care about the opinions of anybody on earth, not because I'm so cool or like I'm so tough. It's because it has actually no impact on my life. This is not about bravado or delusion or trying to play a part. It's that nobody's opinion actually has any impact on your life. (laughs) It's just the truth. Fact. That is a fact. And when you say it that way, you feel silly for not thinking that way. That's right. That's what I love about how lucky I got with my communication style. I feel like what I just said on some real shit literally just changed one. Like I feel like 84 people of the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands that eventually will listen to this, 84 people were just hit by a truck. One of those 84 is actually going to forever change your life. That's what motivates me to do shit like this. Wow. Because it's a hundred. Like why? Like think about all the opinions you've had about people. The amount of people, back to your world. I have sat for 35 years yelling at my television (laughs) opinions of of athletes for 35 years. Not one of those moments or tweets or yelling at the TV actually had anything to do on the impact of Patrick Ewing, John Stark, Scotty Pippen, Dan Marino, Tom Brady, Boomer aside, not one human was affected. And, 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 and yet, unfortunately, because we are trained for outside validation, mm. we are trained by our parents, we are trained by society, we are trained by school to let some, even school, Carrie, school, a teacher makes a subjective call on your grade. Yes. Because the tests are only a part of it. Classroom participation. Well, how many times am I supposed to raise my hand fucking Mrs. Johnson? <laughs> how many? Is it every class? Is it every third? Like, and so you see these arbitrary things and people fear them like I need a good report card and they become of the system, right? Uh, then everyone gets a car. Who's got an expensive car? Who's got a shitty car? They look for outside validation. And we're trained, you know, we get into that place and people are grownups right now still living like it's fucking junior high school. Outside, we're trained for outside validation. That's, that's insane to me. All right, Gary, I'm literally, this is arguably the quietest I've been on any single podcast. When we come back, more Gary V. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion, they girl you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, get naked with Welcome back to Naked. Gary V picks up where he left off. And like I said earlier, early on, pen and paper, nuggets, free game. They're giving out free game, y'all. Gary's giving it out. I, I'm going to tell you a story that will ir- irritate you. Um, We have a mentee in common, a friend of ours, not you and I, but a friend of ours. We have a mentee in common. She's like, should I throw a birthday party or should I buy a house? Because the down payment on the house would be the same as the birthday party. What would you do? I'm going to throw you for a curveball. I know you're going to say you're going to the party. No. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I need to know more. Okay. Right? It's context. If she's very young or he or young. She's in her 30s. She's in her 30s. I mean, it, I mean, if she's genuinely in her soul happy renting for the rest of her life, I'm very weird with the house thing. You're trained to believe you need to own a house. And I think for most people, it puts them in a very peculiar financial situation because everybody pits down the biggest down payment they can. And then they're stuck in mortgage and lease car life. And then they don't have wiggle room to go on offense on investing and doing other things with their money. Mm-hmm. What about if you, and by the way, it wasn't a big Now, if she's throwing a party, now if she's throwing a party because she needs the flex to seem cool on the gram, then I want to punch her in the face. Well, that's exactly why. But that's the only reason why, because we're trained to be cool and that's Instagram. And she only, without telling all of her business, she didn't have to put a big down payment on. So I see your point with that. But I also believe, Gary, isn't that your way to wealth when you come, when you've never had it? Isn't, is, is owning your way to accumulation? 
No. Okay. That's 1987 talk. The, your way to wealth is to have more liquid to do things with it when you see true opportunity for bigger compounded value. You're locked into your house. I like it. Right? So, yeah. I, I mean, to me, like, I think people overspend on home and car, and I think it hurts people from taking opportunities in NFT, Tesla stock, or some other uh, investment in a small business. I think it takes them off the field. Okay, are you listening, naked listeners? Because now I feel like I got to start all over again. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, is that too what you're saying? But it's but it's but it's more a, it's interesting cash. thought, right? Yeah, people lock and, and I always tell my friends, siblings. I always said, almost everybody overextends themselves on the down payment to get a slightly better house, right? I think people should under invest on their down payments, which looks so. Like- if you got two 200- hundred. Right? So it looks like this. You've saved up 80K. Most people then go and put down like 70, 80K on a down payment. I think you should put down 50, which means you're getting a totally different house. Right? But I think that that liquid in your bank account lets you go then buy Tesla stock, if you believe. Let you, let you buy an, you know, three high-risk NFTs. My NFTs were $2,000 in May. Now they're $100,000 People in my community have made a fortune. Mm-hmm. Who the hell knew what an NFT was two years ago? Everybody in their family made fun of them for spending $2,000 on a digital picture. Now I'm getting emails of people crying. They're paying their college debt. They're putting it down. Like That couldn't have been possible if you're living paycheck to paycheck to pay for your mortgage mm-hmm. and your Lexus. Listen, okay. And by the way, why do you want the Lexus? I know why, because that logo makes you have the flex versus a Toyota even though they're the same car. Get the same car. Okay, you talking to me, you convicted me a little bit too. Last but not least, who's winning the Super Bowl? Please. Who's winning the NBA championship this year? Prediction. Well, my Lakers Nets finals guarantee when you and I hung out <laughs> didn't go on through. a different show. Didn't come through, so I need to be careful here. So, all right, so. And I said, NF- I said, I told you who was, I didn't know they were going to win, but I told you, I, I was with the Greek freak, remember? You were like, he is a literal yes, Greek freak. Yeah, okay. You did a great job with that. You're very good at what you do. <laughs> all right, football. We're only one weekend as of this filming. I am going to say that I am very, very bullish. I'm going to go on a limb here. I feel like there's something very weird going on in Arizona. Hmm. I am very, very bullish. I'm very bullish on the NFC West. I love the Rams, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and I think the Niners are going to be better And people. Think, I'm, I think that's an incredibly tough division. But I'm going to go outlandish, and I'm going to say the Cardinals are going to get crazy, yeah. and everything's going to click with Kyler and the rest. So I'm going to say Cardinals are going to play the Chiefs. I just can't bet against Patrick Mahomes in the prime of his career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like everything you're saying right now. That you're, This sounds solid to me. Go ahead. And M- then... NBA, it's super early. <laughs> I mean, this is like... No, but incredibly, it's not... Incredibly... But, mean, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right. back to the well with Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to go back to the well with Brooklyn. I'm going to go Brooklyn... Phoenix. With all teams rested and healthy, you're going Brooklyn Phoenix? You know, rested and healthy, I don't know if, you know, the the healthy, just because they're healthy now, like, listen, AD's got to, AD's, you got to be absolutely concerned 100%. at this point. There's enough data at this point. That, and if he's off the grid, you've got, you've got, I, 
Booker is, listen, here's the best part. D-Book is going to be a Nick mm-hmm. and that's the best thing going on in my life right now. That's the you, best thing going on in my life. Yeah. I'm convinced that that's going to happen. And when that happens, listen, I'm gonna be out. I'm gonna be completely out of control. Your Knicks were your Knicks were in the front running for a lot of great players because they had the money. I don't know what happened. It was a lot of great players t- telling me they were ready to be in New York, you, and I was you, like, Whoa. "You know what? You know what happened? Those same players, those same players. I was talking to them as well, and you could just smell it from a million miles away that it wasn't gonna work out, and it did not work out. You were just like, I do think, I do think there's a little bit of a culture change at the Knicks. I do think a little bit of winning matters. I do think that the front office relationship with the owner is in a better place than we've had historically. And, you know, I love the way they drafted this year. Believe it or not, I have a funny feeling. So I, I think, and, and if Kemba, you know, I, talk about healthy, it'd be really interesting to see if he could do a little something. And if you have a nice season again, getting the playoffs, maybe win around this year, you know, D-Book's coming. Look, D-Book is... <laughs> Fame oriented. He's fame oriented. So he's coming. He, right. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to try to play with old man LeBron. You think he's coming to New York? No, no. I think to your point, there is only there's only two other teams that could possibly get him. The Clippers and the Lakers. But D book is New York or L.A. It's too obvious in the way he moves. And I will tell you that the New York Kentucky infrastructure is absurd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that D book might somebody is going to come along like a D book and is going to want to be the guy that actually puts New York fully back into that spot because he's smart enough to realize that if he does it, he is forever. LeBron winning in the, in LA meant almost now the number of titles mattered for LeBron, right? He needed that for, you know, that mattered. Fair. But let me, let the, let there no, be no confusion. Fair. I know what you're if, about to say. You see where I'm going, right? Yep. If LeBron's fourth was as a Nick, it's John Starks is treated like royalty and he won zero titles. When you, when you win in New York, you're a different animal. You're a completely different. And for the Knicks, for after all these years, that status is just like, when you look at Derek Jeter, he's on a different plane than even, right. It's just something about this city. Look, there, let there, for all the listeners, let there be no confusion. This country has some incredible cities. Yes. LA is an incredible city. Sure. Atlanta has emerged as a remarkable city. Chicago and Boston are, and San Francisco, these are nice cities. These are good, solid cities on the world stage. New York City is the epicenter of humanity. Let there be no confusion. You could say there's things going on in Shanghai you could try to be bougie and talk a little bit about like something in Europe, which would be silly. <laughs> Let there be Miami's a legit city in our country, but like the Delta, New York is more important than Miami, Atlanta, LA, Chicago, Boston, and Dallas combined in the net of society. Uh, I listen. It just is. I and look, I'm look. I feel what you're saying. Obviously, as, as someone who's born here, I'd say different. But I agree with you in the sense that there's not one person who really wants to try to affect change and make change doesn't think that they should be, they should spend some time living in New York city. Cause that's where you can really make things happen. There's nobody Every who's going to disagree with look, that. Miami, LA, yep. Philly. These are great. They're great. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. It, everything that's good everywhere else has elements in New York and then a hundred trillion other things going on. Not to mention, and this is where Americans get confused. 
can you please go to, you know, other parts of the world? Can you please go to India and like go to India and try to talk about Philadelphia or Miami? They'd be like, what? You are so right, Gary. And I'm going to stop saying that. You're so right. I mean, go to, please go to, to Hong Kong. Please go to Amsterdam. Please go to Rio and Brazil. Go to Argentina and try to have conversations around fucking Boston. They don't even know what the fuck you're talking they about. Have no concept. No clue. New York. And so, and guess what? And you may know this. New York is actually deep down a basketball town. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, mm-hmm. New York City is a bas. When the Knicks, by the way, if well, nothing. When the guard was more, eaten, I don't know how yeah. you felt about that, but yeah. Carrie, like. Yeah. The, the, the Knicks yes. had a decent season. <laughs> and, and the Nets have a super team and nobody gave us this is a Knicks town and it was that was solidified this year KD Kyrie Harden and the Knicks are and no one cares and no one no one cares People care about Julius Randle. Though, can I say something? Clippers, Lakers. Please. Like, I can, can relate to that. Like, you can come Same. in all day. And Clippers can be great, and they can have everything Same. they need. No one cares, by the way. They're, now, on the flip trendy, side. but... Now, it's, on the flip side, winning changes everything. I threw up this weekend seeing how many Patrick Mahomes jerseys were worn around New York City. Humans are... Ba- back to how we... This is a good way to wrap it up. It's a full circle. Humans are insecure. And they need confidence from other areas. People wear Patrick Mahomes jerseys and Steph Curry jerseys in New York for the same reason people buy Lexuses and throw parties to put on the grab. They, you know, I loved when Bulls fans, there was a lot of Bulls fans in the 90s in New York. Go figure. Now there's none. But in the 90s, plenty of them. And my, and Patriot fans. And now Chief, and they would make fun of me because the Jets and Knicks aren't winning. And I would look at them. You know, we'd go into like banter, fan talk. And finally, at some point, after they're shitting on me and clearly winning because their teams are winning, I'd finally look at them and say, what the fuck did you have to do with it? Yeah. And what they say. And so, <laughs> well, that, I would actually be even more nasty that. Usually I would go to a point where I would do this in Foxborough a lot. You suck. You suck. I'd finally say, hey, real quick, your team is better than my team. Now let's compare each other's lives. Who's better in life, me or you? And that would usually cause emotion and sometimes punching. And <laughs> the bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. I'm going, I'm going conservative without context. I think the Nets really need this one. Um, and I, I'm a big believer in KD's game. Yeah, I mean, he did it. I mean, you know, he's a real special. And I think he's, I, I think they're going to get there. And I, I think Booker's going to take the next step. And the Suns have a lot of young talent. They have a lot of great talent. They have a lot, they of, have a lot of young talent. You they got need... one or two of those kids to pop. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt. You're right. They got a lot no, of No, no, go ahead. I, lo- I love hearing what you say. You I was going to say they, they, need... I, they need right now, though, they need a little more leadership. I love Chris and I love who he is. But at his core, I don't. It takes a certain type of leader to lead those young men, right? To gather them because you can't be afraid of who you play with. <sighs> they did. They did. They did so much this season, right? Think about where they came from. They yeah. were they were the bubble darlings, but they, they didn't they, make the playoffs yes. the year before. Yeah. So I think they're I think they're close. They're right there. They're right there. They're right, they're right there. I'm Clearly. with you. But uh, of course, I'm all right. Gonna, I gotta I'm, get out of here. I know you gotta go. It's gonna be Brooklyn Lakers. Thank you so much, Gary V, for joining us. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. 
I listen. Blown away. My mind was blown away. I was blown away. I was blown away. I end with this. And this is from his book that's coming out in November, late November. He has a chapter about kindness. The quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate, right? Kindness. He writes, at Wine Library, which is his company, I once had an employee I was really close with steal $250,000 worth of wine. Now, what would you do in that situation, y'all? If that... If you ran a business and this employee essentially stole a quarter of a million dollars worth of product, what would you do? Well, Gary writes, people think kindness is an ingredient to deploy toward people they've disappointed, hurt, upset, or put in precarious spots. For me, it's about being kind to those who have put me in a difficult position. I've been kindest when associates have been rude to me or fucked me over in business and two years later pretended nothing happened. Wow. I ain't there yet. But when I do get there, do you know the emotional freedom you have to be successful when you're kind to people when they do you the worst? Not a pushover, but kind. Like in the Bible, it says... Being kind to your enemy is like pouring hot coals on their head. Wow. I'm saying wow because I'm struggling. And the pausing in my voice is because I'm struggling with with that every day, all day. When people do me wrong, when people are not nice to me, the first thing I want to do is let them have it or pop off. But I genuinely want to be kind to those people because they're broken. They're hurt. They're jealous. It's always their thing. When people are mean to you, remember, it's their thing. And imagine being kind to them in that moment. Powerful stuff. I hope you guys really got a lot out of this. I know I did. And like I mentioned to you before, Gary V, serial entrepreneur. Uh, you've probably listened to his podcast. You probably follow him on social. This book is coming out in late November, 12 and a half, leveraging the emotional ingredients necessary for business success. This is, again, his sixth book, and I'm with it. I'm with it, y'all. I'm with it. Kindness, empathy, not a pushover. Taking that to the bank. Thank y'all for listening to Naked. Talk to you soon. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.